this episode is going to be a classic. Okay, it's going to be a classic because it's got one of the best stories in it. You know, when you know, people talk about Stephen King, they're like, he's a real storyteller. Bollocks! This is the story, right? But before we get to that, before we get to that, speaking of Stephen King, uh-huh. both of you guys have seen Clown Bastard, which was a book called It back yeah. in the day. Uh, how was it? It was good. Good. Right. I, I On to really, the next. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it, and I came to it. I only knew anything about it through sort of cultural osmosis and all the things it is in, it is inspired, including Stranger Things, and I didn't quite realise quite how much Stranger Things is just a tally version of it. But I but, to, the, to the point where I'm surprised Stephen King hasn't sued. No, but Stranger because because the original it was set in the 50s in the book. That's true. Yeah. When they're children, whereas they've updated it in the film that it's now the 80s, mm-hmm. and it is. If you enjoy Stranger Things, you will really enjoy the new it it's not really a scary film i don't think do you jim i don't know i didn't i i only jumped a couple of times i don't think it's that um, yeah there's some great jump jump scares in yeah. it yeah but it's it's more it's it's unsettling it's not like terrifying like be, like kind of being one nil up with five minutes to play do you know like <laughs> it's exactly like yeah that. it's rather than being one nil up with 25 seconds and the other team got a penalty now that's terrifying but unsettling is this might go bad but yeah, I reckon but we'll be okay. I think it's more about being a, a misfit and then a group of misfits kind of finding their group. And that. Yeah. what Stephen King always does fantastically, like with, with Stand By Me and and those type of things. His, his childhood is great with in his books mm-hmm. and the way that he writes his characters. And that really carries through to this film. And if you enjoy the nostalgia of Stranger Things and great child acting, then it is a film you should watch. Mm-hmm. So how does, obviously, when we talk about It, you're talking about Tim Curry, basically. Yeah. But Bill Skarsgård, Gord, I think. Skarsgård. Nah, yeah. God, Swedish friend. Shut up. Yeah, right. Yeah, anyway, listen. So, he says Ikea. Okay, I'm sorry. Look. Anyway, but <laughs> when I first saw New Pennywise, mm-hmm. I was a bit like, meh. He kind of yeah, you, you, bit, were, you were a knob about it. Yeah, well, no, it, it kind of had a bit of a doink the clown thing going I mean, on. You were a knob about yeah, it. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm a knob I like about the most design things. of it. I think but it, how, does it, how does it play in the in the background of the story uh, as is presented in the new well, version. it works really... Right, I went back and watched the miniseries after I saw the film. Uh-huh. And um, the miniseries, like, I mean, a lot of it just doesn't hold up anymore. But, like, a lot of it really actually surprisingly does. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's mainly the finale of the miniseries that doesn't hold up anymore because it's like... Oh fuck me! <laughs> oh, the weird spider that looks terrible. The weird spider, but also just even even the set and the lighting for the sewers looks a bit. So you know. I, I've not seen the miniseries, but mm-hmm. you know when you get fed suggested videos uh, mm-hmm. by YouTube, and obviously I looked at some. I looked at the trailer for Knew It, obviously on my account, and it said Pennywise's last appearance in it, and they're in the sewers. Yeah, and it looks the way it's lit. It's like purple and green. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. I don't know. It's very, very. And, all, 80s. and all the actors are like clumped together in this one spot. There's no dynamism to the. They're scene standing at all. by a hole. I won't be standing by a hole. This is how this whole thing started. They're a all, a kid went to a stood hole. They're looking in one direction, and and it's and, and you know, and it's cut line, cut line, cut. Yeah, and it's like. I mean, it, it's, it's just it's very nineties, basically. I think that's mm. the point where it feels like that's the point where you imagine 
did they shoot this sequentially and is, was this the was this actually the last day because they all look fucking knackered like they really don't they really don't care anymore they're just like just get it in the can and but like the opening is incredible like like it's got so many like amazing camera moves and lots of kind of one take scenes that, that are really nicely planned mm-hmm. out and stuff it's incredible oh, oh, the mini series the mini series so how but how does bill wise how yeah. does he get on because he's got a big head doesn't he like it's got I'm a, fine with the big head. You, you've got a problem with that, haven't you? But I think the design of him and the way he delivers his lines yeah. is—he's really creepy. But it—it's it, the big. The big head looks great, especially in motion, and it part of the unsettling kind of vibe of the whole thing. But also, they play a lot more with the uh, the fact that obviously, you know, Pennywise the clown isn't the entity. It's it's one form of the entity. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of forms of the entity that you end up seeing. And they really, really nail, in a way that the miniseries doesn't quite as well. I'm only mentioning the miniseries because that's going to be most people's point of comparison, isn't mm-hmm. it? They really nail that the, the town of Derry is affected by the evil that lives beneath it and it's yeah um like the town itself is a manifestation of that same evil in a lot of ways the behavior of the people every character has um has a tragic home life and terrible parents and there's a scene and a lot of people missed it i found out afterwards a scene in the library where there are things happening in the background that was great you saw yeah. it, right? It's so unset. There's things going on in that library scene that are where the, where the, the fat kids like. I can say fat kid because I was one and am one. So, <laughs> um, yeah. so, so I can't remember the name of them. But the fat kids like looking through the book, finding out about the history of the town, and realizing that this this town is like something's wrong here, mm-hmm. and I really don't want to live here anymore. And there's an interaction with the librarian. And so your attention is drawn to his reaction to what he's reading. It keeps cutting between the book and his face. Mm-hmm. So that, that's where your eye's drawn. But if you look behind, way back in, like, you know, out, out of focus in the background, he's, he's being stared at. And it's it's subtle, but it's probably the most unsettling shot in the whole film. That's that whole sequence in the library is great. Yeah, it's when incredible. It goes down to the archives, but the, the cast is brilliant. He's fantastic in it. Yeah, yeah. In the trailers, he's a great fat kid. He plays a good. <laughs> <laughs> no, no comment. In the in the trailers, even the brief snippets that I've seen, I was struck by the acting of. Uh, I, I don't know which one which one of the kids he is, but he's the more nervous one. He's got dark hair, and in the trailer, mm-hmm. he says, "I saw him too, the clown." Mm-hmm. I think he's the way he sees. I think is it does he see him when the the balloons go and he's Pennywise is standing? Is the, the, the shot from the trailer where you know the balloon the goes up go. and reveals his face and he mm-hmm. runs off? Like yes, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah, like yeah. that that kid's got. He's a really good actor. Yeah, but he he's doesn't, also got a great hair game as yeah, well. But he doesn't have that adult trapped in child Hayley Joel Osment thing going on he actually looks like he's scared yeah rather than just uh, well I, I get the impression that the kids were fucking terrified as well um, the, the, the director it was revealed uh, I think quite recently that the director didn't allow them to meet Bill Skarsgård until he was in costume mm-hmm. so they didn't develop any kind of relationship with him beforehand so they didn't know he's actually just like an, a nice normal mm-hmm. dude mm-hmm. and his first interaction with them is him scaring the shit out of them as is his job yeah so i think a lot of the the tension is like is the, the children are genuinely unsettled and and uh, genuinely afraid of him in character 
So, Dave, what did you think? You know, essentially, overall. like five children have been terrified for our entertainment. Yeah, so. overall, <laughs> definitely, definitely worth a watch. I think it looks beautiful as well. Yeah. It's a great looking film, acting strong. If you're wanting to go because it's really super scary, it isn't. But if you're thinking, yeah. I might not go because I'm scared it's going to be super scary, it isn't. So I, yeah. I just go and enjoy piece, it. I reckon, I, I reckon it it's is, more like it Silent is. Hill. Like, well, it's much better than but, Silent Hill. But I mean, <laughs> not the movie Silent Hill, but if we're talking Silent Hill 2 the manifestation of the town being yeah. that which controls it mm-hmm. and them seeing... Because, yeah. look, basically, my idea for the sequel, right, is the... when the, You know, because the Losers Club is going to be part two coming, especially now it's been such a big box office success. Mm-hmm. It's like 152 million I was going to say, I think, I think Stephen King's already planned out the sequel, mate, but... Yeah, well... He's planned out his but, next house he's buying, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I've decided that we're scrapping that now. And okay. uh, part two... Is takes a slightly different course where the Losers Club, they yeah. escape. You know, one of them becomes a famous author and all that nonsense. One yeah. of them actually goes and joins the uh, the army, yeah. right, and uh, becomes a marine. And uh, they go back to Derry with marines to kill it. Yeah, but this time there's more. There's more clowns, right? It's going to be called It's. Uh, it's going to be coming. <laughs> Been waiting probably, for it. Been waiting for it. It's going to become probably 2019. Uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. I'm directing it. Thank you very much. Right. See, anyway. So they go back into the series with a load of marines. Yeah. And now there's 20 clowns. Yeah, but they can't. <laughs> the problem is, is that they can't fire their guns because, because there's a uh, they're under a power station and uh, you know if yeah. they shoot the cool. Well, ones, I they, mean, like, obviously, Derry will just get. But but, but some but somebody shoots a gun anyway and Derry gets exploded. Exactly. Um, exactly. And well, no, because it ruptures one of the cool. Yeah. And so later on, when they get in an Oldsmobile to escape. They kill the axle and can't get out of town. So someone mm. has to go and, and rent a car. Yeah. Um, to get out. And then they just uh, then it explodes as they Yeah, it's it's similar to this movie that James Cameron made. But um I don't know, I think I think ours is it's gonna great. be better. Um, now listen, listen. Mm-hmm. What else have you been doing? I have watched uh The Orville, which is Yeah. It's a, it's a weird show and it's one of those shows where you're just like, I don't know why this exists. I don't know why anyone gave them money to do it. So The Orville is Seth MacFarlane's... I mean, it's pitched... It was marketed as if it was a parody of Star Trek in the same vein as Galaxy Quest, mm-hmm. right? It isn't. It's like... Mo- it's got jokes in it, but it's mostly played straight and it's like an homage to Star Trek The Next Generation. It is shot like 90s Trek and it is... I mean, not exactly, because it's in HD and everything. I mean, it looks mm. like a modern show. But in terms of, like, the framing, the the model shots and stuff like that are framed exactly like they used to do it in Next Gen. Okay. Like, there's, there's some real, like, visual references to 90s Star Trek that... Okay. You can tell the people making this, basically, are absolutely madly in love with Star Trek The Next Generation. And they've made this series, which is... Sp- Kind of, kind of a, their version of it, but with more jokes. It's bizarre, and it's um, and it's Seth MacFarlane sort of. It, there's a lot of wish fulfillment there because he's clearly just Fox have given him money to pretend to be Captain Kirk, and he's hmm. fucking loving it. And do you know what? And I was expecting it to be total dog shit. I was like, mm-hmm. this is. Oh, you were you were uh, on the record along with uh, Sir Richard Morgan about that for a good oh, month. Oh yeah, yeah. I two, was like, three months before. This looks this looks fucking terrible. Stop giving Seth MacFarlane money to do stuff. I don't like. But watch the first episode. Because people like those ideas. Watch mate. watch the first episode, and it's it's 
kind of good. So it's it, nothing like the show it was marketed to be. It's, it's less that Galaxy always Quest. fucks things when, when yeah. the marketing is totally different to what you yeah. actually yeah. get delivered. So it's more like William Freakin's Sorcerer, yeah? Where he went, look, I love this movie, so I'm going to remake it. And basically, mm-hmm. you know, it's not going to be as good because the movie already <laughs> exists. You know. I'm not suggesting for a second it's as good as Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah. But it's what is, Jim, though? Caref- <laughs> careful now, Jim. I mean, Deep Space Nine is better. But, um, oh, my goodness. The, but, yeah, it's actually... I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stick with it and see how it turns out. Because I mean, you watched The Expanse, right? You watched all of that. You've watched the Expanse a, is good. You've watched a lot of shit. The Expanse is so good that Dave would probably watch it and say it's good. Mm, yeah, but... So, listen, all right, I'll tell you what's not good. We're going to move on to this now. The mm-hmm. story... Yeah, the story's very the good. Sto- it's just it's just that we fail as humans okay, continually listen, listen. when we're out of this country. So we went to Gamescom, and Gamescom was good. Mm-hmm. A lot of good work, we think, and everyone else seems to think was done. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Thank we, you. We didn't like. I mean, up, up until the last five minutes, we didn't. Yeah. We didn't fuck it. It was uh, well. I don't. I don't believe that we actually. I don't think we did either. No. In truth. It does have a bit of a downer ending. This one. <laughs> uh, so we're at Gamescom, done all the work, and we are we're off. Yeah. We so we go to we get the train to Dusseldorf and we go to the airport and everyone's in in high spirits and uh, we have something to eat and then we go right let's get on this plane back to London now Dave and I had been out the night before uh-huh. and you know we were tired yeah and everyone's just looking forward to just you know getting on a plane nuclear hangover is probably more yeah, accurate I mean, way of describing I, I was it. fine but anyway so we uh, we go around and. We can't find our gate, which is fine. There's a lot of... Dusseldorf Airport is gigantic to begin with. It is massive. So we uh, were like, okay, well, we need to find our uh, our gate. And there's many floors. So we we ask, we say to the, a woman at another gate, uh, excuse me, do you know where uh, gate 54 is? And she says, yeah, it's uh, just over there. Just go down those stairs. And she points at those stairs. And we're like, great, wonderful. We've got plenty of time to get on this plane because it's just it's under us. So we go through the doors, and we're like, these doors are a bit odd, but obviously security at airports these days is uh, is, is very, very strict. So we go through, and it's one, got one of those little security doors that kind yeah. of goes, whoop. And also bear in mind, we are very tired at this point. <laughs> yeah, d- listen, it's not on us. Anyway, so we go through, and she has pointed to the stairs. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, got- just to paint a picture, there are no other stairs in shot in any direction. No. and certainly no other stairs on the left. I mean, there are no, you can't see any other stairs. So we go through, we start walking down these stairs and it becomes apparent quite quickly that we have, in a way, almost exited the airport. Yeah. Now, why you're allowed to just walk through a set of security doors with no one manning it is uh, is a question. But we look on the floor and it's got those, you know, in Half-Life, it's got the little, like, lines which show you which way to various departments. One says baggage reclaim and one says exit. And we realise that we're actually... Um, kind of going toward the bowels of the airport here which we shouldn't probably be in so we go back upstairs and we knock on we try to knock on the glass and get this woman's attention and when we knock on the glass it makes that dead thud sound that no one can hear anything on the other side <laughs> and we're like oh dear uh she she looks at us as if we've gone mad and then realizes that she has pointed us out of the airport essentially or in, in somewhere where we shouldn't be so we're like can you please open the door and she's she says we can't we're like, mm, this is a there's problem. A, there's a great uh, panic washing over her face. Yeah, she, she realises she she's totally fucked us. Yeah, she watched us essentially go through the door. So she realises that, you know... Uh, yeah. Now, 
we couldn't get anywhere where we, we shouldn't have been really because when we went down, she said, we can't open the door. And we were like, oh my goodness, we, we're going to miss our flight. So she said, you just have to go down the stairs. And of course, it's not what we wanted. So we went down the stairs and found ourselves back at security. And the security guy's face, he was like this weird kind of, conf- like, you know, the confusion at the start of Blade Runner where the guy's doing the test. And uh, he's like, I've we're- seen you before, but I don't, where have you come from? It's like, well, we're, we've come from here. Where are you going? Well, we're, go- we're, we're going away from here, but we're, we're coming back through the entrance. So he, he agrees to let us through, which is fine. We're holding our boarding passes to begin with, and we have to do security again. So we, we run through, we do that, and then we get to the bit where after security where your uh, bags are x-rayed. After being selected for random checks as yeah. we go through sprinting so through the fucking we've airport. we've got about... 25 minutes now and we're like we can we'll make it we'll make it and so we get to uh the part where you can where you have to do the final check before you go to duty free and departures and we get sassed by a uh, german uh, border security guard who says something basically to the uh tune of you're all idiots and thinking that we don't understand it anyway we go we understand it we go through there's a queue like this is it game over toast and then dave you know, he's a polite man and he's got a great smile. Says, do you mind if we just pop it? There's only about five or six people. Do you mind if we, because otherwise we're going to miss our flight. British guy in front says, don't worry, mate. You can go in front of me. My flight's not till like five hours from now. I'm like, thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Dick. We get through and we start running. It's like Home Alone at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Home Alone 2, but, you know, better. Yeah. Anyway, so we get there. Dave, is, Dave gets down there before me to gate 54. I get down about 20 seconds later. Dave turns around and is like, we've missed it. Now, I've never missed a fly my entire life, right? Never. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, so, that was a first for me as well. Yeah. yeah. We look Cause out. Because like, what do you do? Exactly. <laughs> That's it. You've broken the international fucking maritime rules there of being a dick. Mm-hmm. So the plane's still out there. And we've got 15 minutes at this point. I'm like, okay, well, you know, I know there's rules, but it's going to take longer to get our bags off. Mm-hmm. So they go... Oh well. So we're about to, you know, be the, upset. The thing that I love is that they like they had to delay the plane to get our bags yeah. off the fucking thing. I mean, so we have, the but they door. wouldn't let us yeah. onto it. Yeah, but we had fifteen minutes yeah. until I know that that's like not exactly hard and fast, but uh, as a rule goes. But we hadn't heard our names called or anything like that. Mainly because we were underneath, like like the end of a Resident Evil yeah, game. The we're now underneath the fucking the airport, whatever. Which, you know, we weren't. We just basically went out this weird security door. Anyway, the woman wasn't there at this point. I feel that she may have gone to avoid any sort of... Uh, because she knew, I, I feel, that having pointed to the, the stairs and watched us go through, that she... Uh, <laughs> we're like, these stairs? Cool. That she may be in some trouble for allowing, you know, just sending people out of an airport and she may be the victim of a complaint. Victim? Not a victim. The person <laughs> responsible Anyway, so I'm gearing up at this point to have a big argument with uh, the airport, you know, our uh, Men. our carrier, <laughs> almost anyone who will, who will be in front of me. Uh, but our, uh, our our carrier was really good. They got us a flight. Well, I think when you're, when you're talking complimentary, we can say that Flybe were great because actually most companies are probably a pain in the ass, and it wasn't actually their fault and they were... No, well, totally, it wasn't their fault. It was it really someone well. at the airport's fault. And the fact that they wouldn't let us out because we supposed that she didn't have the fob to allow us she didn't have the clearance basically to reopen the door 
which would have meant she'd have to go and get someone. And when they asked, how did these gents get in here? She'd have been like, well, I told them to... And I'm like, that's probably going to be an argument, isn't it? Or something. Anyway, I'm not saying, you know, it was totally, totally, like 99% her fault. Maybe the security thing should have put us off. But at an airport these days, you can't sneeze. You can't mm. look the wrong way. Anyway... So the guys, the guy on the phone is like, it's a good job you called because this, this phone line would have gone, you know, they would have closed the helpline five minutes after you called. And the guy said, well, we can get you back to, to Britain. Great. But you've got to go to Southampton. <laughs> so at this point, we're weighing up the, well, Southampton's not that far away, two hours. But on Dave's nuclear hangover, poor Dave. Poor All Dave. All I to do is go to bed. Honestly, it was... And now I'm stuck in an airport with these two knobs flying up <laughs> Southampton. So, but because the boarding passes are now... They're like, just go to our <clears> check-in <throat> desk and we'll get the, the boarding passes sorted for you. These check-in desks, obviously, they need to have different boarding passes because it's a different flight. So we have to do security and immigration again. It's three <laughs> times through passport control. Three times through security. I, I thought, this is it. This is how I get cancer from that, you know, machine. And in the machine, you get in like Quantum Leap. And he goes, you know, it's easy if you've got a hot groin or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, people looking at us like, what? what? Why are they back? The guy on the line was like, guys, stop missing. We're like, we've not missed it again. But uh, yeah, fair play to Fly B. Not fair play to the woman who realised she'd made a huge mistake and left us twisting in the fucking wind. <laughs> it's like, you know, in the, you know, in like zombie movies or contagion movies where someone's behind the glass going, open the door. That was us. And the, the colonel. Or yeah. the deci- the president or decision maker goes, nah, sorry lads, that that's that one over Euro. Yeah. You know, like the Rock, the opening of the Rock, yeah, where they yeah. steal the VX gas and the, the guy drops it and they lock the door and they're like, sorry. And that at the end us. of this fuck up, we didn't even end up with like four hundred chicken nuggets either. I we know. just ended up exactly. sat on a plane to the wrong city. Exactly. Yeah. So it was fine in the end. It was mm. funny later, but at the time, I think Dave was about to have like a full on like the faceplate was going to fall off and reveal the tiny Scouse alien that I was going to go body. full Westworld, mate. Oh, man, it was it was going to be bad. So... I mean, tell you what, though, if we if we weren't still in the EU, we'd have been triple fucked. Because <laughs> like, there was one point where we walked on along the empty EU bit oh, of the yeah. queue. Yeah. We walked past about 500 fucking people yeah. like, who were obviously travelling in from outside the EU. Yeah. They were held up and we just breezed past and I think we all went... Well, that's that German guy making a little pun, yeah, wasn't he? He was yeah. like, which queue is like that one? Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. now for now in German yeah, for yeah. now yeah and each time it was like Benny Hill every yeah, time we just was totally like yeah we're gonna miss this lads yeah um, so that so, that was us it wasn't our fault but anyway but it's I'm, funny I'm gonna now. get an Italian fucking passport mate you are so fuck you everyone get an Italian <laughs> part and get me one and, and listen <laughs> I don't I, think you I can, can get, adopt us right um, you've got loads of kids just hide us in the in the litter <laughs> just here is here's some money yeah, yeah. There you go, pal. I've my, seen, I've seen talented Mr. Got, Ripley. My kids have got a it? choice between uh, a Polish or an Italian passport if they want it. So, or an um, Irish. No, not an Irish. Pat. Oh, Pat Bren. Exactly. <laughs> You're the father of Pat Bren. Right. Okay. So <laughs> sure, on that he note, can, he can sneak me into Ireland, can't he? Yeah. Exactly. So on that note, we'll move on to the questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we don't want any questions about you know the EU. Because everyone's had enough of that. We just just make this a success. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, Dave, yeah. you're the question man. Question me. Yeah. Stop questioning okay, well, our politicians. Going back to it, James Ward asks, in the spirit of it, what films or scenes traumatised you, either as an adult or a kid? Arachnophobia. Fuck me for life. For, for, until I was about 17, I could not take a shit without looking under the toilet. 
Like, you know, when John Goodman is the pest control guy and he sits down in arachnophobia, he sits down on the toilet and he goes, hmm, yeah, hmm, and then stands up, just this massive fucking thing is coming up. Now, let me tell you something. I thought, I mean, that's a bit weird, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, public toilets may be. Who knows what's lurking in there? Your own toilet is probably a bit much. Having said that, I spoke to a friend of mine. I confessed this. And they were like, shit, man. I thought it was really weird after I saw that movie when I was a kid. I, I was doing that for years as well. It's just such a horrible scene. And then there's the popcorn. And when the kid puts the... And when Julian Sands fucking um, twangs the web and he goes, rams his face like a fucking mad hairy face hugger. It's bad. It fucked me up for life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Iraq phone is really bad, particularly the, the popcorn moment is really bad. Oh, and it comes out the nose. Yeah. And the, the light switch. Can't have a light switch now with the fucking old granny style yeah, shades yeah, with yeah, a little yeah. nah. So nah, you got luck nah, under there. It's bad. It's bad. I think there's two that really stuck with me. One from when uh, my adolescence is the, the dead baby and train spotting. Um, fucking hell, yeah. I mean, firstly, the scene where they find the dead is. is like traumatizing enough, but then when he hallucinates about it, when he's having, uh... I saw that in a Japanese pub, mate. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's bad. Uh, my friend went to watch Train Spotting Two premiere and was talking to a, a girl there, and he was like, "Oh, so you're your UPR or something?" And she said, "Oh, no, no, I was in the film." And it's like, "Oh, you're in?" So, oh, sorry, I didn't recognize you. Who did you play? I said, "Oh, not in this one. I was in the original Train Spotting," and he was like, "But you're like 18." She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the, uh, I was the baby, and my friend was like, holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, it's gone dark now. I mean, no, it's but it's, it's great. You know, it's great to know that in real life, the baby grew up and 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 you know and, and yeah. turned uh, up to premieres and yeah, stuff. yeah. They tend not to use actual dead babies. Yeah, in it's, it's frowned upon. Well, you, know. you know, it's not. But it's, it's nice it's to have confirmation. Tree. I wouldn't have thought so. But, uh, <laughs> But yeah, there was that. I mean, because you know the 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 original dead baby, the, the the first time when they find out the baby has died is harrowing, mm. and that only gets worse obviously when you have mm. kids because that's even more harrowing. Um, it's even worse if you then, watch on heroin, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then in the same vein, when I was much older, uh, my wife was about eight months pregnant with my second child. It was around the time that Children of Men came out. And there's that entire kind of that famous one shot scene where they're trying to get the fucking baby out of the war zone. Mm-hmm. And that I, I was like right up against me. See, I couldn't deal with it. I couldn't take that because it was so, again, there's, 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 there's a child in danger. Yeah, I couldn't get into it. So yeah, it was, <laughs> what a surprise. Know, I didn't think it was that good a movie when I watched it, to be honest. <laughs> but that, I mean, I'm going to rewatch it because I feel like I might be on the wrong side. I of think it was song. a great, I think it was a good movie. But I mean, that, that particular, that particular scene was, it, I mean, it just, it just tapped into that, that primal fucking mm-hmm. fear of like, there's a child Tanks. in danger, oh, in danger right, and, yeah. That's especially heightened when, you know, you've got a very small child and then another one about to be born. I think it was in a particularly not a great place to watch that scene at that time. I'm probably all right now. I feel <laughs> like Clive Owen now, like living in Britain. Uh, you know, in the <clears> start <throat> when he's wearing that Olympics jump and buying a coffee, just just thinks, what's the point in this entire thing? That's me with Britain at the moment. It's so, mad, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's it's uh, it's incredible. I was actually going to make the point that, that, that Derry in it, the oppressiveness of the town and, uh, uh, you know, everyone in it is actually a fucking monster. It's like, this this. Britain. It's London, isn't it? Yeah. What you know, but what what scared you? Like, well, you know what? No, losing? no adults. Actually, one of the because people always talk about it's going them in childhood as well. Looking in the 
in the sewer. And I remember that from childhood. And I remember watching it when I was really way younger than I probably should have been watching it. But none of those things scared me. The one thing that did is that fucking dying horse in the never-ending story in the Swamp of Despair. I mean, that is just Which horrible, is, though. to this day, the worst thing I've ever seen. Legitimately, that is the worst thing. In, like, that terrified me. I've not screen. seen that film since childhood. Yeah. No, neither have I. Neither have I. I can't, I can't take it. I can't deal with it. And yeah. also, it's, it's so like... It's that film's not going to hold up, is it? That film's going to look shit now. If you but that it. scene where the the kids trying to pull it, it's, yeah, it's not yeah. good. It's, it's not horrible. like does it just die of depression? I can't. Rem- I can it's remember the, the, the image. The horse is committing suicide. Yeah, it's committing suicide. Yeah, yeah. But isn't it? Just, I, I assume now it's like an allegory of having extreme depression and yeah. sadness. I but I, I haven't watched it since I was a child. The only thing that stuck was a horse it? drowning I in you'd mud. Been well, into Neverending Story Burns because it's about a big dog, isn't it? Yeah, but I don't know. there was uh, there's a lot of shit. <laughs> I was like, I'm, like, I'm surprised you haven't played The Last Guardian yet because that's just about a big dog. Yeah, yeah, but I've, I've got a big dog, and I need me and my dog Saddam. Yeah, I, apart from arachnophobia, it wasn't... So how do, how do your family feel about the fact that most of the internet thinks their dog is called Sedan? <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> it's, it's probably best that they never hear that. Uh, yeah, I don't know, there was... I'm going to tell them. It's a, like slasher stuff never really mm-hmm. got me. I remember having a very vivid nightmare when I saw the poster for Hellraiser 3. Mm-hmm. Big pinhead holding the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so what's that? Nineteen ninety-three, roundabout. God, gotta be round then. And I, yeah, didn't have a good time of it. One scare that I still think of today didn't happen to me when I was a kid. It happened to me when I was about twenty, which uh, you know is uh, you probably should have gotten over that, Steve. But I'd been to see Saw in the cinema because when the first Saw was being marketed, there's these big banners that said dare you see saw and it, you didn't know much about it but it had this buzz a bit like Blair Witch Project where it's this mm. big kind of horror movie a bit of an event uh, maybe the start of that or at least the real big bang of that torture porn kind mm-hmm. of thing and uh, Hostel aside anyway so I see it and it's got the little fucking dude on the trike uh, you know with the white face and everything and I'm like oh, it's, it's not particularly scary Carrie Yules is in it for some reason. I don't know. I watched it and I was like, it's got some horrible moments where he has to like saw his foot off or whatever. Anyway, so I go back to my uni house and in the uni house, in the kitchen, it's got a, uh, the back door was almost entirely glass. And so I'm like, oh, so get myself water. You know, you know when you're in the house by yourself and you turn the lights off and you're like, if I was going to get killed, this is the moment, according to the movies. And I remember turning the light off in the kitchen and there wasn't another light that wasn't on the same floor. There was one upstairs on the landing, so I could use that to get up the stairs. And when the light went out in the room, it didn't immediately cut my reflection, obviously. And so my reflection looked really washed out and white, and it looked like someone was standing outside of the back door looking in. Because obviously I I turned the light off, and the reflection of the light caught and came back, obviously. And I turned just to see what looked like someone looking quite bemused looking in and I shat it. I went, ah! It was like Kevin McAllister shit and I was off. And then I was like, no, it's just me. Don't worry about it. But yeah, that moment still stands with me. So if you've got, a, you know, you've got a big fucking glass back door, what? Don't turn off the, uh, don't turn off thing. But yeah, apart from that, Halloween maybe. It's going to be a new Halloween movie. Mm. Laurie Strode's back in it. 
She got killed in Halloween Resurrection, which I saw, 2002, in the cinema. Mm-hmm. That had Buster Rhymes in it. He fucking jump kicked uh, Michael Myers and shouted, trick or treat, motherfucker. It was the greatest moment of fucking 2000 cinema. Yeah. Uh, speaking of years in films and our conversation about the IMDb top 100. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, top yeah. 10 last time, anyway. Uh, Sean Cleaver asks, what are our top five movies from before 1980? Halloween, 1979. does cover a lot of film history, really. Planet of the Apes, 1968. I mean, I mean, are we talking about our favourites rather than best? I would say so, rather than like not the most important films. There's no such thing as best. I mean, you could do five no. out of Francis Ford Coppola's yeah. output in the seventies alone. That is true. So you know, just take all of them. But, but like things that that personally that you've liked. Yeah, I think personally. Um, is, I mean, I Star. Have you heard of this movie Star Wars? No. No. Not not heard of that one. It's quite yeah. It's quite big in Japan. It won't be in my before, top sorry. five, though. Did he say before 1970? No, 1980. Oh, before 1980? All right, yeah. okay. So, yeah, well, Star Wars, obviously. I mean, that probably is the most important film of... of oh, well, oh we, just, we just said we weren't because doing important, Because otherwise you'd have now. to have uh, fucking well, D.W. Griffiths. Go, yeah, you've got to go... That, Chaplin. That, that yeah. bullshit with the fucking... Get the guy's face in the moon. What is it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that fucking nonsense. The voice, Dans la Lune, that's yeah. it. Fucking fantastic voice. George that, Melies, that was cartoon Space Angels? That was... Uh, anyway... Um, Look, Apocalypse Now sneaks in, 1979. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, one of my yeah. five sneak in in 1979 as well. Yeah. What's we, haven't, that? we haven't brought it up yet in our podcast, but have you heard of Alien? Yeah, not heard but, of it. I mean, certainly isn't the in the five most important or five best films ever, yeah. but my five favourite films that I'd watch again and again from before 1980. Yeah, that's sure. true. Alien's that's definitely true. in there. Planet of the Apes, though. That's, uh, uh, yeah. I fucking love Planet of the Apes. Stuff like The Godfather. If you, let's allow well, ourselves to take The Godfather though. and The Godfather Part 2 as one, because they are they're, they're met in the original book. The second film, most of it, or at least half of it, is in the original. So I'm sneaking Liberties that in. Liberties all but, over the place. But what, I mean, are you going to do? What are you going to go for? The Exorcist, French no, Connection. Not, I mean, these are all legitimate choices, but not in yeah. mine. What are you going? Jaws. Again, another. Jewel. Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> Lawrence, Lawrence of Arabia. Arabia is is like one of my favourite fucking films of all time. Uh, Hitch- so. You gonna go Hitchcock? Yeah, Rear I hit one hit Rear Window. Rear gets Window it for is me. also incredible because Vertigo is what the BFR just well not just it was 2012 put as the greatest film of all time now overtaking yeah, but, Citizen Kane listen but it's not even his best film Rear Window is Rear Window is, is the thinking man's vertical though isn't it so yeah it happened one night that's a good movie it happened one Notorious. night being mine yeah. top five uh, and then you've got all of the without being too much of a uh, twat about it you've got all the cool uh, Italian neorealism stuff yeah, but we, um, you've got La Notte, La Ventura, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then, of course, you've got Fellini. You've got, well, you've got French New Wave as well. Exactly. And you've, you've got, got the fucking Passenger with Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Battle of Algiers could legitimately be in there. So Battleship Potemkin, if you're doing important stuff, yeah, but yeah. I wouldn't. So my, I mean, because if, if you're talking about like the most, you're just going to end up sounding like a fucking baby. Well, no, then you've got to... Going on about Casablanca and that. Yeah, so I think it's just your five favourite ones that have influenced Absolutely. the way you... Think or the way you enjoy movies yeah, or your yeah. your stuff. Yeah. So yours are what Star Wars, Jim? What else have we Mine got? Mine would be I would Star Wars, Planet of the Apes, yeah. Lawrence of Arabia, Ben Hur, and uh, struggle to think of a fifth. But you, th- th- those four certainly. What about God, what about solid. Weekend? Mm? Yeah. What you fucking prick? <laughs> I was just gonna start listing all these obscure. Uh... <laughs> When when the fuck did Jean Dion come out? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, but that that probably for me because my but I I went through a phase of like getting into epics when I was 
when I was younger, around the same time as I got into this weird Planet of the Apes phase as well. Oh, you should have got with my dad. You'd love it. I was going to sit and watch <laughs> Ben Hur repeatedly. It's but like, I love Ben Hur for the. I love Ben Hur mainly for the audacity of it and the amount of money that was spunked into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, and the idea that you know, if you wanted to shoot a crowd in, you know, in the um, in the fucking circus, or whatever it was called. <laughs> In, in the, the circus. circus. In the circus. What was yeah. it called? You know, the, the Coliseum. Coliseum. No, not the Coliseum. The other one. The uh, the 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 theatre in the, the round. The, the chariot track. Oh. <laughs> I can't get past circus. Right, it's circus uh, now. It's called a fucking circus. That's where the <laughs> name. The char- that's oh, right. where the no, circus might comes be from. Right. No, but I'm thinking when I when I hear you say circus and that fucking gesticulation. Back to bloody clowns again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking fucking trapezes and. Right. Well, listen. On. Let, let me just let me just. Uh, I think it is the, the chariot. It is circus. called the bloody nah, Circus Maximus in Rome. Yeah. So you know, so that fucking massive, bigger than a coliseum, big chariot racing circuit, and obviously they had to f- build it fill it with people and it has to look like there's thousands of people there and the only way to film that in the 60s or wherever the fuck it was shot is to actually get thousands of people 50s, in there. 50s, isn't it? 50s, I think it might have been, yeah. So, like, I mean, just the, the, just the undertaking and it's a four-hour film and half an hour of it is intermissions and they keep it on the DVD and it's like... What kind of asshole purist is this for? Yeah, I'm it's not, it's for film fans, you dick. That's uh, I'm not I'm not watching this unless it's got the 15 minute overture at the start. <laughs> one, one film that's one film that's, that that doesn't technically make the cut but would have been made in 1979. Yeah, is really important and influential. Uh, is uh, American Gigolo. Yeah, and when you think about is that the, the one with uh, Rob Schneider. Uh, no, it was directed <laughs> by. <laughs> Paul, uh, fuck's sake. Anyway, <laughs> basically, that whole thing kicked off the career of Armani, I believe, because Richard Gere is decked from head to toe in Armani. And it, yeah. it, the opening where he's driving that, I think it's a black convertible Mercedes 500 SL, and Call Me by Blondie is playing. And it's the it's almost the start of all those tropes that we... It's, it's produced by fucking Jerry Bruckheimer, mm-hmm. for example. And it's one of those where, when you watch that movie now... The score, the the kind of electro, the synth, the clothes, the way it's shot is the the eighties beginning essentially. But the fact that it's based on pickpocket, uh, according to the director, it has a it has an, a, a lovely structure, and uh, the ending is fantastic. So I won't give it away, but uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, if you think Richard Gere, you, I'm sure he's not that popular these days among a certain crowd. I don't think that you think about... Richard Gere's had a very solid career. You think about Days of Heaven and all of that sort of stuff. But really, Richard Gere is someone your mum likes, right? You know? Mm-hmm. But in this movie, he's absolutely perfect. Like, So, yeah, check it out. But, yeah, that was... I think that was 1980, so it's just over. But it would have been... The fact that it started, it was the kind of catalyst or at least predicted all the trends mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. 1980s makes it worth a real good watch. Mm-hmm. I think we'll do at some point a, a podcast on just film history through... Just, just the one, but going through the the most important films, what they influenced. Yeah. We're going to get Bordwell and Thompson out. You've yeah. got it in your in your library there, Dave. Yeah. Make fucking some use of it. It cost me about fifty quid back in two thousand and three. Robin bastards. So what's your what's your five? Have we got there? Let's, uh, five. It's going to be Apocalypse Now. Mm-hmm. We're going to take The Godfather and The Godfather Part Two as as one. We're going to go for uh, Star Wars. Is going to have to be in there. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like foreign what we call world cinema what could you know I love 
Lanotte, for example. Mm-hmm. I, you know, there's just something about the movie that scares the shit out of me. And all it is is a man just walks around. But, uh, and if we're going to go for influences, wide ranging in terms of influencing or seeming to Nolan movies to slasher movies, Meshes of the Afternoon. That is brilliant. Watch it now, it's on YouTube. Watch that movie and then go Halloween, Inception, whatever. It's the best movie about dreams ever made. It's scary as fuck. The and soundtrack is terrifying. It's about 12 minutes long. It's about so. 12 minutes long. The, the bit with the key gives me... I can't even watch it anymore. Give me a bad film. Yeah. Might watch that later. Yeah. Watch I think, I, think I, I would go for... I mean, it happened one night. I do love that. If you're going to watch romantic comedies, then uh, watch that because most of the modern ones are shite. And yeah, that's, a, that's a great movie. Um, Alien, as I say, absolutely loved that film. Solaris would get in there for me. Oh, Tarkovsky scene. Uh, Rear Window would be my yeah. Hitchcock pick. And then mm-hmm. Polanski, Rosie's Baby or Chinatown, one of those would get in. See, Chinatown. Like, I mean, we could list 100 films. Yeah, right? exactly. You could do 20 for each but year. I've thought of my fifth, North by Northwest. There yeah, Bond. I fucking love that film. Um, Proto James Bond. Absolutely. Mm. That bit where the, the plane's coming after him and he fucking... <clears throat> aye. Yeah, it's great. That's a good bit, that. That's great. Uh, what's the next question, then? Well, go, carrying on from filming, there's a question which I guess is more directed to uh, to me than anyone, is have you worked with 3D cameras? And, Excuse uh, me. Me and, yeah. me and Burns have worked with... <laughs> Excuse me, I've worked with a camera and it's, it's fairly three-dimensional. It's not a fucking <laughs> piece of paper, is it? We're a pain in the arse is the answer to that, because you need two of them. So... When they're when they're shooting um, a three D uh, like a big budget picture, mm-hmm. are they shooting with two separate cameras that are? Well, you shoot yeah everything doubles because so I only did I've not done a three D picture from start to finish, but I've done bits on the, so the giant killer or Slayer I think it was released as so that was Red Epic I think it was, um so you'd have so on a normal shoot you'd have your A camera. Uh, so on this you have a camera then you've got a prism and then you've got another camera looking straight down on a normal one you'd have a focus puller on this you've got your focus puller on set doing the the actors then you've got a tent where your uh, DIT is and a convergence puller who's then focusing between the two cameras and it basically makes everything incredibly complicated and costly Mm. and I'm not a big fan of 3D yeah I mean, it does seem like a lot of time, like a lot of extra time and effort and money and expertise and fiddliness and and you know it it, it makes the post production fucking ten times yeah. harder as well. And for for what? I mean, for something that's just makes movies shitter and more uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, and I, I just get a bit motion sickness watching three yeah. D films and. Some of it, some of it really works, but again, it's, it's project dependent. And one mm. thing I will say is, do you remember Jim when there was a bit of brouhaha that the trailer, the trailer for Terminator Two 3D, which has recently been released, re-released, everything looked very blue, mm-hmm. very, very. The grading of the movie now looked, it looked blue to begin with, like mm-hmm. it's a it's a blue steel movie basically. Yeah, but, absolutely. But now it looks like, you know, almost like an azure it's been color. like the saturation's been well put up but people were moaning and I tweeted like probably the reason is is because as Ridley Scott said to shoot Prometheus or Alien Paradise as it was called at that point you have to smash it with light or dial everything up because otherwise you get this murky effect between having yeah. to run the two images together essentially yeah. or interpolate them and yeah. then you're so it's got to it's got to be lit well otherwise he was saying he, he found it very, very difficult to shoot Prometheus because 
a lot of it takes place in a fucking cave. But I mean, so, these things are a nightmare if you're a producer. So you're coming and going, okay, so I want to shoot this 3D. Great. So I need double the cameras that I normally need and then double the backups for all that stuff. Mm. And then you need more time in the edit, which costs. You're saying it's light-wise, you're going to need more lights. Then that's another, like you're adding so much, mm. which I think worked for the little period where it had that boom and spike and everyone was like, oh, wow, 3D. Mm. And now, I mean, who, who goes watching 3D films I mean, there, there was a period where it felt like most... They chucked um, it at everything and they yeah. started doing it retrospectively in post to things that weren't shot in 3D. Yeah, yeah. And there was like a lot of um, like cinemas, like multiplexes, you would have like at least half of it would be 3D screenings. And now um, like the 3D screenings are just like maybe a couple a day. But um, yeah, it's, it's people not... are more like I was quite surprised uh, like our local cinemas got 4DX. Which... Yeah. The seat rumbles. Yeah. I need to tell the story about this, actually, because I sent my dad to see um, Atomic Blonde, Mm -hmm. which was in itself probably a a slight misjudgment on my part. (laughs) (laughs) But he 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 wanted to try out the 4DX thing because he was like, I mean, it's probably terrible, but let's try it. And I was like, I mean, okay, fine. You know, I had a a Cineworld card or whatever, so I took him. And uh, and it, they haven't got they haven't even got a cinema anywhere near where he lives. So mm. like just going to the cinema at all was a fucking novelty for him. Was it always the case though? Growing up, was there loads of cinemas around? Oh yeah, well when he was a kid, when yeah. when he grew up in Swansea, yeah, there was like that was a time when you'd have like a little two screen cinema. Yeah, St. Helens had about six corner. of them. Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, there, there was even there was a cinema in the in the village I grew up in in the sixties. I didn't grow up in the sixties, but like. There was, good, there was a building <laughs> that was the old cinema, which was when I when I lived there, it was a carpet shop. But it was like this tiny place had a cinema. It's like everywhere had a mm. cinema. We didn't have one of cinemas. And then it just got changed into. Um, no, but I mean, in the in the sixties, they would have had a lot. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. But when I was, they don't give a fuck about the sixties. Anyway, but, exactly, but yeah, but but then it got replaced by multiplexes, and then yeah. you had to live in a city to be. But yeah, <clears throat> so um, I took my dad to see Atomic Blonde, which is a fucking great film, by the way. Uh, really great hyper stylized Cold War movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the party uh, you went to before Nugget Gate was the it was. Uh, Atomic Blonde. It, on yeah. a Atomic yeah. Blonde party yeah. in yeah. Uh, in LA before yeah. Nugget Gate happened. Yeah. yeah. So uh, um, I felt an affinity with the film already. <laughs> I kept thinking about chicken nuggets the whole time. So anyway, 4DX, right? It's fucking terrible. Don't bother, right? It adds mm. a fiver to your ticket price, even if you are on a Cineworld card. And the thing that immediately you should like you can imagine for example there being like a big kind of thudding impact like like on a dual shot pad or something mm-hmm. like a you feel it when somebody shoots a gun mm. right that makes a lot of sense but like every camera move was kind of mapped to the the entire row of seats kind of dipping and, and and kind of making you feel like you're moving with the camera i mean i want to go so i can take the box of saying i've gone but I, it's, it's a gimmick it is distracting it is like trying to watch a film when somebody is kicking your seat and slapping you in the head <laughs> on a fucking lilo yeah <laughs> and like so the entire row of seats i mean it's impressive like the entire row of seats would lift up and every time there was like a camera movement which obviously because it's a, a fucking action movie it was every five seconds mm. as a camera movement 
the seat moves you need with to watch the remains camera. of the day mate with that um every time a gunshot goes off a bit of compressed air blows against the side of your head so you feel the bullet going past fucking hell every time there's water it shoots at you like you you get sprayed with actual water this is great for a theme park where it's a little eight minute thing and then 3d's fine as well you put it on it's a gimmick the seats move it sprays water it makes sounds and, and it's like wow this is cool and then you're bored of it and it's like i don't want that for Fucking two and a half hours. I was genuinely worried about because my, my dad is sixty three and I was genuinely worried. I was like, is this, is this what gonna, is this what finishes him off? <laughs> and what then a I way thought to go. Day, and then Four I, DX. Then screening. I thought the, the the fucking the fucking the shag scene happened. Oh Christ! I didn't know this Tell me your chair vibrates with the. Uh... Wow! Right. I don't want to hear anymore. That no is the future. But I tell you what, one moment where and I thought it would have been great if they'd used it more sparingly. For example. There was a brilliant overhead, um, there was a brilliant kind of helicopter shot of Berlin and was obviously mostly CG because Berlin doesn't look like that anymore. Mm. But, um, and it, it did the thing where it's just, you feel like you're in the air with the camera and that worked brilliantly mm. and it happened at a perfect moment in the film and it was like, do you know what? If it was just this bit, it would have been perfect. Mm-hmm. If it was just those bits really sparingly, not feeling like you've actually been kicked in the head with compressed That's, air. That could also work because you'd forget about the fact you were sat in it and then yeah. it would have a, a stronger effect when yeah. it did Didn't come in. Didn't Hitchcock do that with the birds? Yeah, I'm sure like the birds had a 3D release mm-hmm. and there's no 3D effect in the film. Until, I mean, it sounds like something he would do. Yeah, there's no 3D effect. And I'm sure this is true. Um, or maybe maybe he wanted to do it, but... Uh, there's no 3D effect in the film until the first shot of all the birds coming toward the camera. Mm. And that was the first thing was in, that was in 3D. And because people, they had the 3D glasses on, but nothing happened in, in 3D. They'd gotten used to it. Mm. And then all of a sudden things are flying at you. Yeah. Well, that's his entire uh, I mean, filmmaking that, style. Yeah, is learning exactly. into a false yeah, sense look, of security. I might have made that up, but it sounds like Hitchcock. Sounds so, like him, yeah. But no, I'm, I'm absolutely sure that was the thing that happened. But yeah, so 4DX would be great if it was subtle. Um, but it's not subtle at all. And it's not even like, it's not even as if, um, you know, with 3D, like, you know, you can make the argument that, you know, Ridley Scott's gone out of his way to make this film in 3D. So we, there is an intention that people see it that way, for example. Mm. But with 4DX, I think it's just like some Korean company no adding it one after is the doing fact. That. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Filmmakers said, you know what, this is made specifically for 3D. Mm. Watch it like that, then I would. Yeah. Um, Avatar obviously springs to mind. Yeah, like the yeah, because whole... I mean that whole thing was designed for three D. Mm. It still was a bit of an excuse to throw things at the lens. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no one's designing a film for four DX. Yeah, well, no. Is, there isn't a, a theme park. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's um, yeah, it's an interesting one, four DX. But I wouldn't recommend it. I mean, I would recommend going once, maybe. And Atomic Blonde is probably a good one to get the entire fucking range of the experience. Mm. Well, because it's shagging. Fucking, right, no more talk. Honestly, the, the shag scene as well. I was just like, oh, fucking hell. I didn't know this was in it. And that's my, my dad's sitting there, like, judging everyone. Yeah, so what? Here. Hold on. What's that got to do with anything? Your dad You won't be here without him doing exactly. the shagging, Jim. Right, no more talk about dad shagging. Yeah, but he's an old man, isn't he? He doesn't need to fucking think about that anymore. <laughs> right, last question, Dave. Fire it in. Uh... Well, moving on to video games now. <laughs> no, uh, fuck's sake. Yeah, your your two favourite Has anyone subjects? heard of these things? They're bad. Excuse me, video games are terrible. Oh, by the way, if you like video games, you want to watch our Let's Play series on YouTube. Yeah, let's not play. YouTube.com forward slash Jim and Burns and Dave. Yeah, it's brilliant. 
we go to play games and then for some reason which is massively contrived or actually factual but mainly the first one we uh we can't so we play something that's either like them thematically like them because one of the characters wears a, a same jumper yeah. or not like them at all but we thought fuck it or actually just exactly like them in the case of sonic mainly yeah. and sonic 2 and sometimes the game we're claiming to have wanted to play doesn't even exist uh yeah so, Left 3. you know so basically it's just a let's play series where we where we lie a lot yeah yeah. yeah, like all the best Let's Play series. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Dave, carry on. Something about video games. <laughs> yeah. Well, this game does exist, uh, and it's from Drew Fox, and that is... Well, he didn't design the game, but what are your thoughts on Cuphead? And basically, does a does a visually stunning hardest ball shooter interest you? It's uh, Jake Gallenhall's in that, isn't he? What? <laughs> Sorry, it's a joke about Jarhead. Fuck oh, it. wow. Yeah. That was tenuous. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, if, if Jarhead had just come out... Yeah. Ant- I was going to say, Swafford story it doesn't about- even work oh. 10 years ago. Just no. forget it. Just I know it's about David Lynch. A razor head. Yeah. I mean, you could start linking anything. Exactly. Nonsense, Jim. On the, on, sorry, on the, on the subject of Jarhead. If you've seen the movie, read the book without being book twat. The book is incredible. Is it? And yeah, and the, there's a scene in it, well, a scene, there's a chapter in it where they discuss one of his uh, buddies dying after they've been to Iraq all the jarheads go to a bar mm-hmm. and they suddenly some townies arrive uh, as they described and they're so angry but impotent with rage what they're going to do they you know they're not at war they you know they can't but they go into this bar afterwards and uh, they get started on by a few people who don't know who they are because they're out of towners and the way it's described in the book they absolutely smash these people to bits and they just tear the entire bar and there's more of them apparently but because you know they've been trained by the government to kill people but just this kind of outpouring of rage and sorrow mm-hmm. and these guys have just wandered in and gone oh these fucking idiots then and just been just destroyed basically and then the mother of the guy who's died like admonishes them and says he wouldn't have wanted that and I think Swafford says something like he fucking would have wanted that that's what he was about. Like, if we're being serious about it, that's what he was about. Fucking people up. And he would have loved that. Just the, all of his boys going into my town and kicking the shit out of people I don't like. So, yeah, the, the book has some stuff in it that's a lot, goes a lot further. Obviously, they, a lot further than the movie. And it's mm. worth checking out. Anyway, Cuphead looks brilliant. And I want to play it. <laughs> it does look great, doesn't it? I can't believe it's not actually made by Disney. Although well, somebody's asked about Cuphead, and it's like, and now, five minutes on war. <laughs> yeah. Carry on. <laughs> it looks great, and we were watching something about it, weren't we? About the the making of the hand-painted and hand-animated backgrounds, and it really does look like those 50s Disney cartoons. It yeah, it looks, looks incredible. Yeah, the, the art direction is incredible. So yeah, I believe by the time this is out, it's going to be just around the corner, 27th, I think it is, round about then. So I'm looking forward to it. It's the first time I've been excited about a platform game since, you know, I was eight. So... <laughs> I mean, obviously. Yeah. Obviously. Platform games are good. Listen, I played Sonic 2 and it was okay. It was not as good as the original Sonic. Mate, and then I just didn't care about the rest of them. Pandemonium was good, actually. You're right, Dave. But I was 14 then. Okay, 14. Yeah. On visually beautiful platformers, uh, have you played Child of Light, is it called? Come downloadable this month? I played it at a preview event, but then I didn't play any more of it. The, like, watercolour yeah. paintings and stuff is incredible mm. on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, apparently that one got quite good quite good reviews. Yeah. It? it did quite well. Oh, going to mention this. Observer is uh, a game starring Rutger Hauer, 
it went on to Steam and Excuse me? and all that. Starring the big dog, and exactly, I didn't know about it. Exactly. You the Hitcher. I did know about it because I told you about it a month ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where, are this, where are the receipts for right. that conversation? Okay. Mate? I've been in a bar so, with Rutger Hauer, and he was wearing Uggs, and he still had 18-year-old girls coming up and hitting on him because he's Rutger fucking Hauer, fucking and he looks amazing in Uggs because he's the only man who can pull it off who's <laughs> ever lived. There he is, Rutger Hauer, the boy. Yeah. It's unbelievable. How, how am I supposed to live with that information now? Rutger Hauer, just like... Just walking in a fucking set of Uggs. He's brilliant. Anyway, last question. Very last question. Yeah. Now, because look, it's been an hour mm-hmm. and we got to do real work. Mm-hmm. This isn't work, it's just talking. Okay. <laughs> who's your favourite sliced alone? Well, not who's your favourite, but which which I guess it says. Do any of you have a favourite sliced alone? Uh, I like the one that was in the movies, but it, I'm sure on LinkedIn there's probably another Sylvester Stallone that's like a middle manager, you know, I don't know, like a treadmill company or something. Mm-hmm. Sylvester Stallone movies... The first Rocky. That's got to be Rocky, hasn't it? Yeah. Although he's amazing in fucking Tango and Cash. He looks great in Tango and Cash. Yeah. Like, he does look incredible in that film. That's when he's uh, rumoured to have been... Um, how to put it? Um, on the NIF? Uh, no, not on the NIF. Just uh, rumoured to have been... Shagging wor- about. Working out a lot, shall we say. <laughs> like, a lot. On, a, on the test? Uh, yeah. Um, anyway, listen. The story about the dog's true, though, right, isn't it? That he sold his dog... Rocky. He was so skint at the time whilst he was writing Rocky. I think that's one of those cinema things that's actually true. Really? And then he went back and bought it for a lot more money. It would not surprise me. I don't know if that is true, but it's a very Stallone move. So, uh, so Headline, Stallone? Stallone doesn't give a fuck about his pets. Do you remember when Harsh. Stallone had that kind of... That, that weird... Imagine selling your dog, Jim. How dare you? Yeah, I wouldn't do it. But he had Imagine that selling dip. Saddam. Exactly. So he could fund <clears throat> a script. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Saddam had that kind of dip towards the late 90s. He did that terrible remake of... Saddam had a dip towards the late 90s. Yeah, Saddam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Saddam had a fair few fucking dips. Saddam right? got in a bit of trouble, you know, when he made those movies, which weren't good. Yeah. Yeah. But no, he did Copland, right? And, and Saddam, like, like Stallone, had his heyday in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> right, enough talk about fucking <laughs> Saddam's thing. And then he was in that absolutely terrible Get Carter remake. Mm-hmm. And then, suddenly, he... Just, I think it's mainly because everyone was still amazed that he was still really buff. <laughs> that they went, oh, well, Stallone's going to do some comeback movies now. And he did Rocky Balboa, and then he did uh, John uh, Rambo, and all that sort of stuff. But now he's on the ups again. Like you see Stallone everywhere. He's done, exp- he's done the expand, but he's doing all of the. He's done Creed. Creed mm. Two's coming. So yeah, it's not too far away from genre fare. But I will say from Stallone, I remember reading something where someone said if Stallone's first breakout movie wasn't about boxing, he would have been regarded as one of the great actors in terms of, I mean, he had that kind of Brando thing, not obviously as good, but you think On the Waterfront and Rocky. Rocky is a is a film about a down on his luck guy with a bit of boxing. The rest of it, the rest of the series isn't like that at all. Like the rest, like mm-hmm. Rocky Four is the best music video of all time. It's, mm-hmm. but the first Rocky is it's just about a guy who doesn't have a lot of money, who does things that he doesn't want to do to get the money. He Which has. a lot of people seem to forget that he wrote. Yeah, exactly. Right, he's a member of Mensa. Yeah, he's he's obviously he's a really there. smart guy, and I get. And someone was saying that he would have been regarded as as almost like a Pacino, like a character actor who had a star quality. You think about the roles that Pacino played. They are basically character roles, right? Mm. When Michael Corleone makes him famous. Michael Corleone isn't like an action star, but it's a he's a character that's that's you know gone to the absolute uh, to the uh, driven to the max, and he becomes a star because of it. And that was going to be Stallone, but the fact that he got pigeonholed essentially, so he does Rocky, and then what's next up? First Blood. 
it's not straight away it's a little bit after but there's rocky 2 then whatever and first blood is the movie which gives him another strand on his action thing mm-hmm. so he becomes you know the rocky and rambo guy when mm-hmm. when you watch rocky and first blood they are not movies about violence all the time they're not well, movies it's again about- we have this conversation of when you make a sequel actually Taking the wrong thing from the original. Yeah. Well, absolutely. I mean, if Rambo, two, or First Blood Part 2, right, is uh, James Cameron wrote that shit. And it's rubbish. It's like, it's just a, a, a film about relitigating the Vietnam War. Oh, we've got to get the POWs out, lads. So it's all right. The guy with the fucking, you know, gun that usually attached to the side of a helicopter will go in. And it's just like, you've missed the entire point of the first movie. Mm-hmm. Rambo 3, for fuck's sake. Right, that's it. Afghanistan, those Soviets. Don't worry, I've got a horse and a bow and arrow. I'll sort this out. <laughs> Excuse me? Excuse me, America? What? So, but yeah, Sylvester Sloan, I think he's had a fascinating career, but there is a there is another, in another in a parallel universe, there's another Sylvester Sloan career where he's regarded like a Dustin Hoffman or mm. an Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. But going, going back to character actors, is we had a, a big one pass away this week, didn't we, Steve Burns? Harry Dean Stanton. Indeed. Who mm-hmm. you will know. Uh, from Alien mm-hmm. as Brett, which yeah. uh, from any interview that you would read with Harry Dean Stanton is exactly his character. His character. He is. Well, he his entire thing was essentially not acting to a degree. He, there was a in terms of his style, it was. You wouldn't say it was completely naturalistic because it had affectations in it, so it wasn't just you know verite camera on. But he had this everyman feel to him. He was. He I think he'd served in Okinawa, like so. He had this this almost weariness and by the time he becomes famous or known he's already in his early 50s for Alien so he's also in the Godfather he? yeah. so he's also he's 91 when he died yeah. earlier the other day so he's he's also in the Paris, Godfather Texas. Part 2 Paris Texas I think he's in Pretty in Pink apparently there's an amazing interview like I've not checked it but I hope it's true where an interviewer starts asking him about the Care Bears movie and he says, why the fuck are you asking me about the Care Bears movie? And he's like, Harry, you were in it. He's like, was I? Oh. You know, he, there's this kind of don't give a shitness to him. But he also brought to any of his movies a real, no matter. It. So he went from, imagine Alien mm-hmm. is a movie. We don't have to imagine it is about space beasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Space beasts and shooting stuff out of airlocks and like fucking penises coming out of people's chests and face rape. But it's anchored by the characters and no one is more normal than fucking Brett. He doesn't want to go for the cat because he can't be bothered. Mm-hmm. He's like, really? Me? It's a cat. Yeah, like, it, it, it'll find its way back. And so he's the, the least likely man to be thrust into a battle against an intergalactic fucking rape beast. Mm-hmm. And yet, somehow him, or he and the rest of the cast, really anchor it. And that's what you don't get in a lot of, you know, movies where, slasher movies, or, you know, Haunted House and Space movies, you don't really get that authenticity of people just doing their jobs. Because they all look like fucking Calvin Klein models these days. That's the rant over. <laughs> Harry Dean Stanton, what a fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. I was just uh, it's like, I was just thinking about Death Race 2000, where you talk about... Um, yeah, wow. Harry Dean. Um, oh, the Sly version. Yeah, the Sly version. So the old uh, 1975... I, mean, I caught that on television once, and it's fucking terrible. Um, but the, the, the thing that sticks in my mind the most is that like so Stallone's in a hat for most of it. Okay. He had great hair. He's still got great hair. Yeah. I think uh, Joel Golby from Vice described him as having a hairline like iron. I mean, it's Sylvester Stallone. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's crazy. It's very good. Very good. Right. So, on that note, thanks for listening. We'll be back. This is going to be a regular thing now. No, it's not. No. Yeah. It'll be as regular as we can make it. 
You know, like, I don't know, like... Constant. Of course it'll be regular. It's going to be every Wednesday night. Every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. We Wednesday are rewriting the rules as we go. Absolutely. People said to us, you're crazy. Exactly. The way you do podcasts is you make them whenever you can be asked yeah. and you put them out sporadically three, four weeks apart sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's not a proper podcast if, if it's not an episode every six months. Yeah. Exactly. So we're going to revolutionise it. So, I'm going to do yeah, it's like telly, but for your ears. Yeah. yeah. You heard about that, right? There you go. It's going to be called Ear Telly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, listen. So, you know... Just listen, I don't want to sound like that guy, but just hit subscribe because then we can do more stuff. Mm-hmm. If there's more of you, then we can do more dicking around. Mm-hmm. You will be the dicking around army. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Think about it. Just do it. We're on Twitter. We're on all the shit we're at Jim Bones Day. We're on YouTube. We're on yeah. all the stuff. So do it. Woof. So do it. Stop being a dick and do it. Anyway, we'll yeah, be yeah. back after these important messages. Bye.